0: Father, we thank you that you sent us the good shepherd, your son, to walk with us every step of the way until we reach the promised land. Father, through every high, through every low, thou art there. And so, Father, I pray that we might begin to understand, Lord, what it really means to walk in your presence. Now we ask that you would open our eyes to understand with, open our hearts that we might receive your living word and the message you have for us. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you will take your Bibles, please, let's turn to the book of Colossians chapter three. Book of Colossians chapter three, we're continuing our series in this tremendous letter to the church at Colossae that the apostle paul had written and the last time we were here in this chapter the title of the message was what shall i wear and as you recall the apostle paul was telling the christians uh, to do something and that was to put on the new self in other words we kind of spiritualized it but uh Put on the new clothes that you were given in Christ, and what were those? Those were basically the fruits of the Spirit that we are to clothe ourselves with. These things, and so as he, we're going to continue. What shall I wear? And this is part two this morning, uh, because of of where this leads us uh, concerning other important factors when it comes to walking in the Spirit. Now, look at verse 14 with me again. That's where we left off. We studied that. But here's the last piece of spiritual clothing that Paul had mentioned that we looked at. Colossians 3, verse 14. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Put on love. There is the ultimate piece of clothing for the believer, for you and me. That we might put on the love of Christ so that we might love one another. And for what purpose? That it is because through that love we have a perfect bond of unity. And at this point, Paul is concerned about the unity of the body of Christ. I think sometimes that's the last thing we talk about or or think about when we come to church the unity the harmony the love we have one toward another we we focus on the music we focus on the the message we focus on all kinds of other things but we may come here on a Sunday morning I may come and I might have bitterness in my my heart I might have a An issue with someone, another brother or sister here in the church that I haven't resolved. I have not forgiven someone. And so I come into church and I go through the motions of worship, and yet the whole time I don't have the love in my heart I need to have. And so Paul is trying to drive this home in the next few verses. But how do we obtain this unity as we put on the love of Christ? How do we really uh, unify one another and build each other up in the body of Christ? Well, look at verse 15 with me. Paul then writes, "...and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful, and be thankful. So here the Apostle Paul mentions the word peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This word peace uh, is... Uh, if you were to pronounce it in the, uh, the Greek word in English, it's basically the name Irene. Now, I, we have Gingrich. Uh, Do we have any Irenes here this morning? No, we don't have an Irene. Okay. But that word basically means in the Greek, peace. Now, that's the Greek word, Eileen. But in the Hebrew, what is the word for peace? Many of you know it. Say it out loud to me. Shalom. Yes, shalom is the Hebrew word. And it's used, of course, frequently in the Old Testament as well as this Greek word in the New. But there's two certain things we want to understand about peace, especially the peace that God gives. And the first one is that Paul has referred to in his other letters about peace with God, peace with God. And that is a peace that you and I receive the moment we are saved. The moment I was born again, I put my faith and trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. At that moment, what happened? Well, just like on crucifixion day, God was sending a message when in the temple, remember what happened when he breathed his last breath? The veil was torn in two, signifying that man can now, through Christ's blood, enter the Holy of Holies, and we can have peace with God. For the moment you and I came into this world, because of our sin nature, we are enemies of God. We're all born as enemies of God. But Jesus came to make a, make a way that we can become friends of God, that he could be our friend as well as our master. And so we receive the peace with God. So my relationship changes when I'm saved. I have peace with God. That is forever settled in heaven. That will never change. That concerns my position in Christ. I have peace with God. Romans 5 1, Paul wrote, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says it right there. But then we have the other side of God's peace. And this is we call the peace of God. We have peace with God when we're saved. But now, as we journey on to heaven, we can enjoy and experience the peace of God. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, then. Let's go over to Philippians. Philippians 4, as Paul writes to this little church in Philippi. Philippians 4, and we'll pick it up at verse 6. <clears throat> Philippians 4, beginning of verse 6. Paul writes, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Now that's a key word here because it's going to be a key word later when we go back to Colossians. Remember Thanksgiving. But he's talking about bring your problems and anxieties everything to the Lord in prayer and supplications with what? Thanksgiving, thanking God for no matter how it turns out, he's in control and he's going to do what's best for you. With Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When we do this, what will take place? Verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or all understanding, shall guard your heart's and minds in Christ Jesus. Notice how Paul phrases it. If you come to the Lord with all your anxiety, and you pour your heart out to him in prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, something's going to happen. You and I will experience this, the peace of God that passes all understanding. In other words, we can't comprehend it. It is so amazing and powerful. And that peace, what it will do? It will guard my heart. And what else? My mind. This is the peace that Paul is now concerned about in the church. He's concerned about the peace uh, in the heart of the believer. And so we go on, though, if you'll look with me. Look at verse 8 then. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence or any worthy anything worthy of praise, let your what? mind dwell on these things. Let your mind dwell on these things and the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace shall be with you. And now Paul speaks of his own personal experience concerning peace. So what really is the peace of God? How would you define it? If you wanted to define it in one word, it's here. Look what he says, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. Verse 11. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I have learned to be content. No matter what the circumstances are. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned... The secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. Why? How did he learn this? Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul had to learn contentment. And I think the best, <laughs> if you're looking for a definition, the best definition for God's peace in your life is that word contentment. That I am content no matter what the storms may be around me, no matter what is happening in my relationships with others, believers and unbelievers, I have the Holy Spirit living within me. And I, if I allow him control of my life, what will happen? The peace of God will rule in my heart. And that peace cre- is really creating a contentment, a contented mind, a contented heart. So that no ma- so I'm not living uh, ready to, to resist or fight or, or just uh, try and fix things in my own way, but it's, it's, it's basically laying back in God's will, saying, "Lord, I'm resting in you." And I am content in who you are and all your promises that you will never leave me nor forsake me and you will supply all my needs. When I do that, I will sense such a peace. And many of you have experienced that peace of God. When you turned everything over to him, you cast all your care upon him. Suddenly you get this peace, this contentment. And you go, why didn't I have that before? Many times it's because I haven't allowed it to rule my heart. The peace of God to rule my heart. In fact, just go back with me now to Colossians chapter 3. If you go back to Colossians 3 with me, notice what he said in verse 15. He said, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule there in the Greek uh, literally means to act as an arbitrator, okay, or as like a referee or an umpire. How many of you have ever refereed any games, any kind of games at all? I know Dale has, and some others have, (coughs) and you, you... isn't that the greatest job? I've always wanted to be an umpire. Has anyone ever really said that? Maybe they have, but I wouldn't want that job. I mean, because you don't make any friends that way. You know, but you're watching a baseball game, okay? And and, and suddenly that umpire is behind the plate. And uh, he's going to... Call it like he sees it. Right. And so this is basically what Paul is trying to convey when it comes to the peace of God ruling in my life and ruling in my heart. I'm going to I'm going to try and demonstrate this in a little way. Uh, Let me see. Uh, Would uh, Lercy. Buddy, I see you. My buddy. Would you, would you come up and help me with something? If you don't mind. My buddy Lursi here. I'm going to ask him to come forward. All right. And uh, let's see. Oh, let me see. Oh, we need. Oh, we're missing some of the other ones. But. Uh, um, okay. Tucker, since you're pointing at Lucas, that means you're coming up. Come on, Tuck. Thank you. All right. Come on up here. Lursi and Tuck. Okay. So here's what you guys are going to do, all right? You are going to be the umpire. We're going to play baseball, okay? Are you ready for that? Okay. So you're, you're going to stand over here, all right? And you're going to face this way. We're going to pretend the plate is right here, okay? This is the plate. You're going to be the umpire. I'm going to be the batter. You're going to be the pitcher, okay? Okay, so you stand over here. All right, let me see. Uh, we need a ball. You know, it's funny. There, so that's going to be your ball, okay? You're going to pitch it to, to to the catcher. Oh we didn't bring up a catcher, but pretend he's there. Okay? All right. now I, I need a bat. All right, so now I, I went over to the I went over to the gym. Uh, closet, the activities room, and looking, and there are tons of wiffle balls, but there's no wiffle ball bats. So our church is in need. If anybody would like to buy some wiffle ball bats for us, but uh, Greg, there he goes. Uh, yeah, he's going to order some right now. Yeah. So I couldn't find one, so I grabbed this 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 poster. Okay. Unless he's coming back with one. Yeah, he's got one. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. Thank you, Greg. This is in my office. That's in his office. This is not Wiffle. This is the real stuff. What is it? Genuine. That's my name on it. Oh, my! it says genuine Greg Firestone, Louisville Slugger. Wow. (laughs) He was semi-pro. So here we go. Thank you. Wow. Now I got to swing the real one. Okay, so. Okay. Okay, I'll try and hold on to the bat. I don't know where that Okay, so. Now, isn't this crazy stuff we do? Um, Okay, Lurcy is our umpire. But to tie it in and apply it spiritually, okay, if we take the word rule, Let the peace of God rule in my heart. That means let the peace of God umpire my heart, my attitudes, my thoughts, my actions. Okay? So he is going to represent peace, God's peace. Okay? So Lursi is is the umpire here, but he is, we're we're going to, you know, uh, spiritually speaking, he is God's peace and he's calling the shots. He has the authority to set the rules for me as a player, okay? Now, there are, of course, two ways I can respond to what he is going to rule on, okay? So if you'll back up, okay. So say there's there's two strikes on me already, okay? So I got one chance to hit the ball, All right, if I miss, you have to yell, strike three, you're out, okay? Oh, we don't have the microphone. Okay, all right, let's, we'll give you this. White one, please, okay? So if you can talk in there and just say, yell it out like an umpire. Strike three, you're out, okay? Okay. Well, unless I hit it. Right, right, unless I hit it, then... Then you don't say anything. Okay, okay. On the count of three. Okay, you looking down the plate? One, two, three. Go. Oh, strike three. You're out. Oh, wait a minute. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Now, ump. I don't like that call. Ejected you ejected me you can't do that wait a minute I think I deserve another shot that wasn't uh, I you can't throw me out of the game Bec- you know I don't like the way you're you're calling the game you've been calling a bad game for me you know that what did I just do I turned on the ump, and I got mad and upset and that 's what we do with the peace of God that lives within our hearts. The Holy Spirit has, has been given to me to give me this peace that I can have any anytime, and it can control my actions, my thoughts. So if I am not allowing the peace of God to rule in me, to umpire me, this is what this is basically what I will do. If something I, happens in my life I don't like, or there's an attitude, somebody maybe uh, accuses me of something or hurts me or says something to me that I don't like. And so what do I do? I can retaliate, I can get angry inside, I can, I can and, and suddenly there, there's a problem, and what do I do with the peace of God? I, I basically am arguing with it. Arguing with God, saying no, 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 I, I got this. I'm, I'm gonna let my feelings out because I was wronged, and suddenly you, 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 you're, you're, it, you're overcome by the fleshly uh, nature once again. And so, do you see how w- what it is, how important it is? Whereas this is what I need to do now. Okay, so let's. All right. Pretend you have it again. Okay. All right. He's going to pitch again. You do the same thing. All right, if I miss. Okay. Well, I have to miss. There's no ball. Okay. Ready? And pitch. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to hit, hit, hit a line drive. I hit a line drive. Okay. And, you, and I'm out again. So you go ahead. You say it all again. Strike three. You're out. Yes, I am. No, don't listen to him. Uh, you, um, I don't like it that you called me out, but I, I accept it. I appreciate your rules and the way you're calling the game, even though I may disagree. Um, I thank you for calling it the way you, 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 sh- you should call it. And uh, I hope you have a good day. You're holding up the game. Uh, I'm ho- holding up the game. I'm holding up the game. All right, you go. Thanks, buddy. Tucker, thank you. Give him a hand. <laughs> These guys were fantastic. I'm telling you. What did... Thank you, guys. You made my day. What, what did we just learn from, from my actions there? I accepted, I knew what the rules were. When they were called and I was in the moment of emotion, I accepted the ruling on the field, the peace of God. And in my life, when I get to a point, a situation, you will this week when you're out there, you will get to a point of frustration, of anger, of bitter. Whatever happens to you, whether it be a circumstance, a person or something else, really, really gets you. you will come to a point where you can either experience the peace of God by letting it umpire you and controlling your emotions and suddenly going, okay, Lord, you knew this was coming. You knew, and Father, I know how you want me to act. So Father, help me to act in the Spirit. And when we do that, suddenly we catch ourselves and we think of the Lord and we start praying and say, Lord, help me not to say the wrong thing to act in anger, or to or, or to retaliate, but to accept your will, even though I may not like what's coming, you knew it was coming, Father. I need to respond in peace, and that's the the how God is ruling our hearts through His peace. He wants to say, no, I want I want you to to show the fruits of the Spirit, and when I do that. Watch what will happen in your life. It is absolutely beautiful. And so I wanted to get that clear. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. But notice what he says in the rest of verse 15. To which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Now, why is that? Why does he add that to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? Well, we talked about the the peace of God. But here, we know that he is referring to believers having peace one with another. Because he mentions the body of Christ right there. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts To which indeed you were called. You were called to have peace. Where? In one body. And that's talking about the spiritual body of Christ. The church. We are all called. We're members of the same body. The body of Christ. And so we are to live together. With the peace of Christ. Ruling in our hearts. So that I seek uh, to live with you in peace. If at all possible. I want to, I try and desire to live in peace. Romans 12, verse 18. Some of you may remember this verse. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. That's what Paul says in Romans 12, 18. So I need to seek to to be a peacemaker in my life with my brothers and sisters especially, but of course uh, others who, who are outside the family of God, but I need to love them too, but I don't condone their sin. I don't love their sin. Uh, and, and if there's a brother or sister who is sinning, I don't love that sin, but I seek to restore them. If there's a problem that we've had the, uh, between a, a, another Uh, brother, sister in Christ, I've had an issue. I need to let the peace of God rule in me. And I need to make sure if if it depends upon me and I can do what I can do to keep things at peace, have peace with that individual, that person. So Paul here is concerned again about the unity of the body, the body of Christ. So it starts with the peace of Christ ruling in my heart. But then look at verse 16. Then he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving and thankfulness in your hearts to God. There's that word thankfulness. Paul now says, after he says, first, let the peace of God umpire your life secondly he says but also let the word of christ or the word of god richly dwell within you now that that word dwell has the idea of of uh, habitation of uh, like being at home so it's letting the word of god make its home in your heart and my heart and King David, throughout his Psalms, and especially Psalm 119, you can see it there. He was always concerned that, that the word of God he would meditate on. That the word of God would be so deeply uh, 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 positioned in his mind and heart so that, that when it came to sin he could, he could resist sin because why? Thy word have I hid in my heart, right? That I might not sin against thee. So the, Paul is concerned about getting the word of God into the believer's heart and saying, let the word dwell in you. And that means it's got to take residence. I've got to live it. I have to feed upon the word And it's so easy to come here on Sundays and just feed on the word like we're doing now. But then when I go home, I let everything else in this life complicate my life and fill my life with all kinds of problems and needs and situations. And the last thing I put in my mind until next Sunday is the word of God, is his promises, is his truth to live by, to obey and that's what I love about our Word of Life programs. Uh, Word of Life programs. Uh, our Word of Life leaders, Nick and Todd and Lori and others who are all involved. <clears throat> you will notice that the one of the number one priorities, other than wanting those kids to be saved, is to learn the Word of God. To to be discipled by the Word of God and to learn it and memorize it and to hide it in their hearts, and those and that seed is planted when the Word of God is planted. And Dale was talking about that. We are to be sowers, but we are to allow the Word to be sown into our hearts. But we have to go and and make that uh, conscious effort to read the Word to memorize it, to let it soak in, and to meditate on it once you have it. You might not always remember chapter, uh, book, chapter, verse, but that's not the most important thing. It's the truth it says, the principle. So, And the Holy Spirit will bring those truths to your mind at a time when you, when you need to make decisions. How beautiful. He's referring here, he's saying... Let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And how does, how do we do that? Look at one of the ways, the rest of verse 16. With all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. There's worship right there. Do you see that? He's talking about ministering the word of God through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Notice now, when we, when we think of music like we did today, we sang, uh, we think of we're bringing praise to the Lord. And we are. We're worshiping the Lord with our voices Corporately, we sing unto the Lord. But did you ever really think about it? That at the same time, God wants to use your voice, your singing, to admonish to and admi- minister to the word of God in that song to the person next to you. To another believer who is part of the body here. And to lift them up in the word of God through the music. And that's exactly why we have a choir up here. When that beautiful choir sings that song, what what happens to your heart? You sit there and you meditate upon it. They are singing the word of God to you. And suddenly what happens? You, You are being ministered to by their voices, by their words. And yet they're singing to God. But at the same time, they're ministering to you and me. Same with Liz. When she came up here and sang that beautiful special music, she sang that song from her heart and it came to you. And you, we, we all sat there and I know you must have been moved by such a piece. And as, as that song was sung, she took the word of God and she spoke it and sang it. And it went to your heart. And what did it do? It admonished you. It blessed you. It lifted you up. We have to remember that that's part of worship, is to worship God with this music, but we're also uh, minister to others at the same time. And one other thing here in this verse. How many of you love the old hymns? Raise your hand. Look at that, all of you. Uh, how many like some of the newer choruses? Newer Christian songs, good, about half and half there. All right. Isn't that wonderful? Guess what? God says, sing them both. You know, sometimes we, because of the way we were raised, the way we're used to, we get, we get you know, and, and it's okay to like a certain kind of music, a certain type of song, and that's, that's a blessing to us more than others. But every Christian is different on how they are ministered to by certain songs. But here it is right here in the scriptures. How are we to admonish one another? With psalms. Now that's a song, a different kind of a song. Hymns. Hymns is there. You, all of you love the hymns, the old hymns. The hymns are there. But don't throw out the rest of the music. that that is honoring to God because he then says and spiritual songs which are different than hymns. It's a beautiful passage to show us that God likes variety but we want to make sure that the songs are centered upon truth, the word of God and sound doctrine. And so here, here he's telling us let the word of God dwell in you and then let it out through music with thanksgiving in your heart. And then we conclude with, uh, and, and by the way, we don't have time to turn to it, but back in, if you go on your own, if you're taking notes, look up Second Chronicles chapter 20, and then also 2 Chronicles 29. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat was going out to war with the Israelites. They were going to face a massive army, and the enemy was there, And what did Jehoshaphat do? He appointed singers and and musicians to go out front, in front of the army, and to sing praises to God as they marched into battle. Isn't that amazing? That God wants us to use songs as well and music when we're going into battle. And then if we're singing, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice as I'm going into a battle. My mind is focused and fixed on him. When I'm in the battle and in the storm, God gives me a song in the night. And I can use that song to comfort my heart as it's it's built and based upon the word of God. And suddenly uh, it can strengthen me in the midst of the battle. And then on the way out of the battle, when peace comes suddenly there's a time where we can sing a joyful song unto the Lord of thanksgiving. So, and then the other portion of scripture is chapter 29 of 2 Chronicles. And that concerns King Hezekiah. As King Hezekiah at that time was restoring the temple, what he did, he brought together all the musicians and singers and they got together and to rebuild, uh, to restore that temple, he had the music first and they gave glory to God and edified one another. But then we come to this last verse that we want to close with. Paul then says in verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God, the father boy, Paul likes to use that word. Thanks a lot. Doesn't he? He keeps telling us to say, be thankful. And sometimes it's hard to be thankful, isn't it? When things aren't going our way and and, and life has turned us upside down. But now he gets, he, he basically puts an umbrella over the whole thing. And then he says, whatever you do, whether it be your words or your deeds, do all in the name of Jesus. And what does that mean? That means that I am representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in my life. Every moment of every day when someone meets me, I'm a child of God. The question is, do I act and talk like a child of God? Do I do I respond are my attitudes like those of Jesus Christ? How would Jesus respond? How would he deal with this situation? And as Jesus lives inside me and he, he, his spirit indwells me, he's the one that can, will take control and I can be filled with the spirit, controlled by the spirit to produce then the fruits of the spirit. And when I'm producing the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, all those found in Galatians 5, something wonderful happens. Everything I do, I'm, it becomes glory to God. Glory to God. And everybody who looks at me, says, wow, I can see he's not doing that for himself. He must be doing it for that that king he serves, that king Jesus. And people will notice Christ in you and who you have given your allegiance to. That I might do all things in the name of Jesus Christ. And God will be glorified and honored. May we be glorified. Controlled first, may we allow the the peace of God, the peace of God here, to rule in my hearts. Secondly, let's let the wonderful Word of Christ, the Word of God, dwell in me, and then let me do all things in the name of the Son. Let's pray together. As we bow this morning in prayer, dear Christian, perhaps you notice in your life there's, there's been friction and struggle, and you're battling all kinds of things, and maybe it's another believer, another Christian that there's been conflict with, and, and you want peace, but you haven't been experiencing it. Would you right now say to the Lord, Lord. I want your peace to rule me. Rule my heart. Rule my mind. And then say to the Lord, Lord, I want your word to dwell in my heart. Father, help me to spend more time in your word to get it into my life, heart, my mind, that I might not sin against thee and I might I might have the the truth living within me so that when I act, I'm acting upon it and obeying it. And then Christian, would you make this commitment? Say, Lord, help me, whatever I do or say, to do in the name of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to do what he would do with your help and strength. If you're here this morning without Christ, I invite you to receive the Savior By faith, right where you sit, you can be born again spiritually. You can become a child of God. If you've never trusted Christ to save you, you're not sure you're going to heaven. Would you trust him now? Just pray a simple prayer like this with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. And you took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, my friend, you are now a child of God. You're part of the family. Welcome. Welcome to the family. Father, thank you, Lord, for any decisions that have been made. And may we leave here seeking to do all that would please and glorify you in our lives. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.